Acts chapter 5. I know some of you are, oh wait, let me say this also. Uh, if you've got children who you'd like to go to children's ministry or they'll hear a message at their own age level and people will just be loving on them, they can go right out these back doors and right out there we have people who are wanting to take them and share with them the truth of God's word at their age level. But if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 5. Now I know some of you are thinking, you're thinking, aren't we in Hebrews? Uh, you are correct, we are in Hebrews. We're going to take a week and step out of Hebrews so I can give you a little bit of a word from camp. This is what I shared with the students on Thursday night of camp. I want to share that with you as well because I think it's definitely applicable, obviously, not just for teenagers but also for Adults. The first thing you need to know is that we kind of built the week on a couple of statements. And I would repeat these statements to the students when I would get up to preach and I would have them fill in the blank for me. And so that, that they'd get the repetition of them saying it. And the first one was, the opposite of fear is, and then they would yell, faith. So the opposite of fear is faith. So, okay, now that's your part, okay? The opposite of fear is Right, okay. And then the other one was, God always keeps his promises. So I would say, how often does God keep his promises? And they always. would say, yeah, look at you. Beautiful. You guys got it. That's awesome. So uh, it was really, really fantastic. Now, there was a little boy once who was afraid of the dark. And one night his mother tells him to go out on the back porch and bring in her broom. The little boy tell, says to his mother, Mama, I, I don't want to go out there. It's dark. The mother smiles reassuringly at her son. And she says to him, You don't have to be afraid of the dark. Jesus is out there. He'll look after you and protect you. The little boy looks at his mother real hard and asks, Are, are you sure he's out there? Yes, I'm sure. He is everywhere. And he is always ready to help you when you need him, she says. Little boy thinks about that for a minute. And he goes to the back door and he cracks it open a little. And peering out into the darkness, he calls, Jesus, if you're out there, would you please hand me the broom? <laughs> so what's the point of telling that story? Well, our culture is getting more and more hostile to true biblical Christianity. And it looks dark and scary to us when we look out in it. But Jesus goes with us out into the culture as his children. One of the fantastic things that you learn by studying the book of Acts is that uh, you learn the early history of the Christian church. And I do love church history. But we see people who are fiercely devoted to Jesus and the gospel. And we can trace what happens to these Christians living in a hostile culture. We can trace through it. And it's incredibly applicable to the church today and the culture that we live in and how we live and interact in a hostile culture that is hostile to Christianity. We're going to walk through this morning Acts chapter 5 verses 17 through 42, which is a big passage, but we're going to walk through it. We're going to look at what characteristics we see in the apostles in this passage and what that means for us living fearlessly in spite of a hostile culture. So let's, before we do that, I just remembered, I, I, I knew there was something I was forgetting. I was able to get one picture from camp into my notes, and it's right here. 
Maybe. Maybe not. Just shows up as blank. Okay. Yes, yes. This is a picture of a polar bear eating an ice cream cone in a snowstorm. Anyway, never mind. Sorry about that. So uh, I was going to explain why Simon was wearing a pirate costume in some of the pictures. So the theme of camp during the week was, uh, was fearless. And they used as their main passage, uh, as their main, um, that, that the kids had to memorize, was the story of Jesus walking on the water when he says, do not be afraid, it is I, or it is I, do not be afraid. And they had to memorize that passage. And they did great at memorizing that passage. Um, but so because of that, they ended up, they're like, what could be the theme of the banquet on the last night? And somehow they came up with pirates. Uh, so that's why if you go to the website, you go to that Facebook page I told you about, there's a bunch of pictures of pirates. The picture that you were supposed to see was a picture of Dana and Simon in full-on pirate garb, and it's awesome. Uh, so if I think about it later, I'll throw it up on Facebook or Faith Life or something. I'm not going to throw it, but put it up there on, the, on <laughs> Faith Life or... Anyway, forget it. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 5. <laughs> Verses 17 through 42. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the, campel, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering... What, what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men 
and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand it and apply it. Jesus, as we come, we've read, we've read your word. We pray you would help us to understand what it means and to understand how it applies to our life. We pray that you would change us by your word, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Help us to take you at your word and believe it and our lives to be changed by it, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. The first characteristic or the first thing we see about the apostles here that I want to point out to you is this. They were equipped as witnesses. So if you're taking notes, that's number one. Uh, You guys don't have nice fill-in-the-blanks. I had nice fill-in-the-blanks for the students. But point number one is they were equipped as witnesses. See, some people, some people are terrible witnesses because they've not been equipped as witnesses because they don't truly know Jesus. See, if you don't get this, what it means to know Jesus, if you don't get the gospel right, then everything else that we talk about is just going to be a bunch of stuff to do, 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 do. And, and when you try to do it, you're going to fail if you do not have the equipping, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So we have to talk about first what it means to be equipped as a witness, what it means to be a Christian, to truly be a Christian is to repent and believe the gospel that God, uh, holy and righteous and just and pure and sin cannot be around a holy God and just be obliterated in His presence. God is pure and holy and just and He created man in His image. And man sinned. Man sinned. And that sin put a chasm between God and man whereby man could not get to God. There had to be a way for that sin to be paid for um, because we know that God's righteous judgment must be poured out. His wrath must be poured out upon sin. And because God is just and holy, He had to pour out judgment upon sin. But because God is also loving, He provided a way for us to be reconciled to him. He provided a way by that, that, that wrath of God to be poured out on Jesus on the cross in our place for our sin. And for during that, for there to be this great exchange that took place that those who place their trust in Jesus Christ who repent of their sin and believe the good news of the gospel, that, that he takes our sin and puts it on Jesus on the cross and exchange gives us the righteousness of Christ. Jesus' right standing before God, imputed, imparted, put on our account so that when God then looks at us, he doesn't see us as a sinner separated from him. He sees us as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that down, if you don't believe that with all of your being, if you don't trust in that, if you've never come to the point where you've repented of your sin, turned away from your sin, and turned towards God, and believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
then the rest of this won't, won't make sense and kind of won't matter. Because what we find out in Scripture is that when someone comes to know Jesus, they surrender their life to Jesus, what those students experienced the other night is that at that point, <coughs> excuse me, at that point, we are given the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, meaning the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in a believer. And He is the one who empowers us for service. He empowers us for service. Serves as a witness to the gospel Himself as well. And empowers us for service, empowers us for ministry we got to remember that without Jesus, you can do nothing, and it is not on our own strength that we live, but it is out of God's strength that we live and move and breathe, and we do service for the gospel, that we serve others, that we serve God. It is from God's strength, not ours. If you do it in your own strength, it'll crumble. Secondly, not only were they equipped as witnesses, but they were encouraged to be bold. They were encouraged to be bold. I actually love this part. So let's just get this straight. So in the passage, if, if you were to read back prior in Acts, you would find out that this was not the first time they had been chastised for speaking the name of Jesus. They were told by the religious leaders, don't talk about Jesus. Okay? And here they were talking about Jesus. So they get arrested, and they get put in a public prison, and the high priest and the party of the Sadducees are filled with jealousy. They're jealous of them because people are believing in them. People are believing in Jesus. Sorry, not them. People are believing in their message. People are believing in Jesus. It's called the, the way or the life in this passage. It's called the life. People are believing in Jesus and, and trusting in Jesus for salvation and learning that they can pray directly to God, that they don't need they don't need the high priest to go in and offer atonement for them because Jesus was their once and for all sacrifice. And the Sadducees, the high priest, they're worried about losing their influence and their power because the, the people don't need them anymore. Because remember, if you remember, uh, like even last week when we talked about the high priest or the week before, we talked about the high priest was the representative of the people of Israel before God. And if they've got someone who has supplanted that, Jesus, who is now representing the people before God uh, for eternity, they don't need the high priest anymore, and they'd start to lose their power and their influence. So the apostles get put in prison. The angel releases them and tells them to go stand in the temple. Okay, that's kind of high priest territory. So not only just, I mean, you talk about boldness, right? It lets them out of jail, doors are locked, everything, and they're just not there anymore. And then says at daybreak, go, go talk about Jesus again, the thing you were thrown in prison for, and do it in the temple. So they go to the temple at daybreak, and they're speaking to all the people the words of this life. He's telling them, go, go tell people about Jesus. Go tell people about Jesus. Yeah, I know that's what you're arrested for. Go tell people about Jesus. Early, early Christians were referred to as the way or followers of the way, and they may have also been referred to as the life. In your translation, you probably see the word life has a capital L. I love how that name shows 
that this message that Christianity is not something that you simply just believe, but it's something you stake everything on. It is also a life you live. You believe it, and it changes how you live your life day in and day out. And when you really believe the gospel and you're truly converted, you will live differently. I told the students it might start out as just a bud. You know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And I heard my friend Charles Campbell say one time, you know, when you become a believer, you ought to start to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It might just be a bud, (laughs) maybe just a little bit, but it'll be there. And the change will begin and grow. Our desires, our dreams, our goals, the way we make decisions should change more and more to be more and more like Jesus. So, the apostles do exactly what the angel said. They go at daybreak to the temple and they start teaching. And this is a boldness. This is a boldness that is grown out of a fear of God and not a fear of man. If they feared men more than God, they'd probably say, oh, they put us in prison. I don't want to go to prison again, so I'm going to not do what they said not to do. But instead, they feared God more. Now, fear of God is a a reverent awe, a reverence, an awe, high regard, obeying God because you are in awe of him. You You have a reverence for who he is, his power, his authority, his sovereignty, his love, his justice. And, and, And it's not being scared, okay? But when we fear man, it's being scared, right? And when you put that fear of man over the fear of God, you begin to act out of that. But this boldness that they had was grown out of a fear of God and a wanting to please God, not man. And in that, we see point number three. In that, we see point number three. They were fearlessly devoted to the message of Christ. They were fearlessly devoted to the message of Christ. Their devotion was to Jesus and Jesus alone. And they held that it was above their nationality, their ethnicity, their religious grouping. They even held it above their own lives. And they were just doing, they were doing the things that Jesus did. We, as a church... As a church and as individual Christians, we must be devoted to the pure, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ, the pure message of Christ. It is vital that we get the gospel right in this generation because we are living in a culture full of anti-religion or watered-down religion. And so we need to make sure that we've got the gospel right. Nothing added, nothing taken away. I heard one of my favorite pastors tell this story. So we're going to have a little bit of story time. Heard one of my favorite pastors tell this story. There was once a delicious drink with powerful and positive side effects. When it was introduced, everybody drank it and loved it. And they found that not only was it good, but it was good for them too. When some business consultants ran across this new drink, they saw its marvelous possibilities, and they said to the owner of it, the inventor, don't you want other people to drink this marvelous beverage? Yes, the man said. Wouldn't you like more people to be helped by it, they asked. Yes, said the man. Just leave it to us, they said. And within a few weeks, bottles of the drink began appearing in vast numbers, not just there in the town where the man had invented it, 
but in the nearby city and in cities all around that part of the country. There was a vast ad campaign that that had been added to the rumors that were already going around about the drink's great taste and beneficial effect from the few who had brought the, bought the drink from the original inventor. As the bottles were snapped up and drank, people were underwhelmed. It was a good drink, but it wasn't what it was cracked up to be or what their friends had told them about. It was, it was a good drink. It was like many other drinks on their shelves at the stores. But when the original owner, the inventor, heard about people's responses, he wondered, how could this be? This, this product had never failed. So he hurried to the store where the shelves were stocked with every imaginable size of the bottle of the drink, and he opened one and he started to drink. Then he understood. In order to sell this drink quickly and on a larger scale, they had changed it into something they could produce more quickly and cheaply. And it was no longer the drink that he had first sold to the people who loved it and were helped by it. But now his opportunity to introduce the drink to the nation was lost. His problem now was different than when he had first started. See, when he first started, his problem was that nobody knew about the drink. But now his problem was that everyone knew about the drink, or at least they thought they did. But what they didn't know was that what they knew about was a fake. Friends, Christianity is not just a good-tasting drink with some beneficial side effects. It must be a priority for us to get the gospel right, pure, original recipe gospel. Everything else in our lives will grow out of this. And we see the apostles clung to it. They clung to it for dear life. We must cling to it and not let anything be added or taken away because of because in our world there is false teaching that to people is more palatable but leads them away from the gospel. Because the apostles were fearlessly devoted to the message of Jesus, they were fearless for Jesus. And that's point number four if you're taking notes. They were fearless, they were fearless for Jesus. See, they feared God and not men. And when we fear men more than God, what we're doing is we're choosing to appease the desires of sinful man rather than the will of God as revealed in His Word. And when we act out of this fear of man, we will actually disobey God in order to please a human or a culture and to look better in their eyes, we will disobey God. We will agree with things that God says are sinful and wrong in order to appease humans. But not these apostles. They were fearless for Jesus. You look at the fearlessness of the apostles in this passage in contrast to the fear that the religious leaders had. They were jealous, but they feared losing their power and influence. But the apostles saw the power of God displayed. We need to focus on these kind of texts precisely because of the growing hostility to gospel ministry around the world. 
I don't know if you've noticed it, but our culture is not exactly friendly to Christianity anymore. Fifty years ago, um, fifty years ago, the, we could say that culture was somewhat soft towards Christianity, but not anymore. Not anymore. D.A. Carson said this, more people, listen to this, this, this boggled the minds of some of the students, more people have been martyred for following Christ in the last century than in all of the 1900 years of the church's history. More people have been killed for being Christians in the last 100 years than in the last 1900 years. Now, I don't, look, I know you're like, well, there's more people now, and no, it's still lives lost, lives given, martyred for the sake of Christ. And this hostility against Christianity is growing, and we need to be prepared to live in the possibility of facing growing hatred for our faith. Many times it's expressed as intimidation, threats, and increased negativity toward anything Christian. I told the students, I live near Chicago, but you guys already know that, (laughs) right? I live near Chicago. There's an advice column in the Chicago Tribune. I don't know if it's still there or not, but it's called Ask Amy. And here's an example of a letter that was written to Ask Amy some years back. It says, Dear Amy, I'm curious to know what you think of someone asking a semi-stranger, what church do you go to? Or even worse, do you go to church? It seems as intrusive as asking, how much do you weigh, or how much money do you make, or are your kids gay or straight? Maybe churches today are trying to grow their memberships, but the way I was raised, someone's personal relationship with God was personal. She has that in all caps, personal. I know people like to categorize, but to me, the question is rude. Am I just out of step? Signed, Offended. We've gotten to the point where it's considered rude to ask someone if they go to a church. She says, I was raised, someone's personal relationship with God was personal. Friends, your faith is personal, but it's not private. Your faith is personal, but it's not private. And if you live your faith out publicly as we should, we need to be ready for responses like this. We minister publicly because Jesus was not crucified in private. Jesus died for you publicly with people mocking him. He was publicly crucified where all could see it. Gospel ministry will anger some and also has the power to bless others. It lifts those people up while doing it. I told the students, look, the gospel message is offensive to people. The message of the gospel, that you're a sinner, you deserve hell, you deserve the wrath of God poured out on you, but God loves you and sent Jesus to die in your place and take that wrath for you, and he offers that to you if you'll repent of your sins and believe the good news and that Jesus rose again on the third day, showing that that sacrifice was accepted and was good enough, was sufficient for all time, for all sin. The the message of the gospel is offensive to people, and if you share the gospel with someone and that offends them, it's okay. We're told in Scripture it's offensive to them. If they're offended because you're a jerk, that's not okay. That's what I told students. If If they're offended because you're a jerk in the way you shared the gospel, that's not okay. If they're offended by the gospel, that's okay. 
And you will often be accused of being mean for just sharing the gospel. Fearlessly and publicly following Jesus doesn't mean being a jerk about your faith. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. We need to do it with gentleness and respect, but we need to do it. We need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have so that when we're asked about it, we can do that. We can give that answer with gentleness and respect. But here's the question. Does your life look in such a way that someone might ask you about the hope that you have? Do you talk about the hope that you have? Do you live your life like you have hope, or do you live your life like you have no hope? The apostles showed hope, and they showed joy. In fact, and this is point number five, they were joyful for being deemed worthy to suffer for Christ. They were overjoyed because they got to suffer for Jesus. They were scourged. They were beaten. The lashing that they would have received when it says they were beaten consisted of striking the victim's bare skin with a tripled strip of calves' hide. And the victim would have received two blows on the back and one on the chest. This would have been divisible by three in whatever number they received them. These apostles boldly resumed their ministry even when they had been threatened by the Sanhedrin. And then after they were, after they were beaten, they went out and kept talking about Jesus. Their suffering actually resulted in the church growing. The fact that they suffered for the name of Jesus resulted in more people knowing Jesus and the church grew. The ministry of the gospel grows under suffering and persecution. Anybody know where the most, what country has the most Christians in the world? China, where they are persecuted, often have to meet in secret, and the gospel spreading like wildfire in communist China. Suffering for the name of Jesus is a characteristic theme that we find in the book of Acts. Suffering for the name of Jesus connects, connects us with believers across geographic areas and across eras in time, and it's part of your calling as a Christian. Philippians 1.29 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It's granted to you. It's a gift. And part of our calling as Christians is that we suffer for the name of Jesus. It's also tied to experiencing Christ's resurrection power. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by all means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let me tell you something about these apostles, okay, from this passage in Acts. Peter and the apostles had heard 
Jesus teach in person, right? And they'd heard Jesus teach about the reality of facing persecution for those who belong to the Father, right? They'd heard Jesus talk about suffering. They'd heard him talk about persecution. Here's what, here's what D.A. Carson said about this passage of them rejoicing for suffering. He said this, It is almost as if the apostles were, dare I say it, relieved. They had been given astonishing authority. But instead of strutting around talking about their power, they were a little worried that they had not suffered yet. Now they've been good and flogged, and they smile because they've been counted worthy to suffer for the name. They knew they should suffer for Jesus, and they were kind of concerned that, well, if we're really following Jesus, shouldn't we be suffering? And it's almost as if they're relieved that they get to suffer for the name of Jesus. Hey, we're, we're real. So what are the effects of us living and ministering fearlessly for Christ? These were some of the things I left with the students on Thursday night. The effects of us living and ministering fearlessly for Christ. Number one, the poor in spirit were lifted up. People were healed, but people were healed so that they would believe in Jesus. The point was not the miracles themselves. These were people who already knew they were imperfect. This is the word of life, the message of hope, the only thing that will save. It's the gospel. And the whole point of this was to get the gospel out more. I told the students the gospel came to you because it was on its way to somebody else. And you need to figure out who it was on its way to and go tell them. <laughs> Number two, effect of living and ministering fearlessly for Christ. Number two is the gospel will enrage the prideful. They might have an intellectual pride where they believe that there's not an intellectual way where the gospel makes sense to them. They're too aloof to believe. It's intellectual pride. There's also a social pride where they're afraid of alienation that comes from believing. They're scared that they, what, what they would have to lose to believe. They may be too concerned with damaging their family relationships, or if they're part of another religion altogether, they may fear bringing shame or dishonor on themselves or their family. The group persecuting the apostles in this passage probably had some combination of these forms of pride and fear, and that pride and fear caused them to be enraged. So true gospel ministry will enrage those who are too proud to believe, who um, there's too much they may lose, or they are too, um, too intellectual to say, well, it just doesn't make sense to believe in that. And when they hear it and they see it growing, they're enraged by it, right? The example, I used the example of Will Smith at the Oscars when I was talking to the students. I didn't say his name, though. I just said, it'd be like if I said something and somebody out there got really mad and ran up on stage and slapped me. That, that reacting out of enragement and jealousy. Remember that these religious leaders were also jealous. Oh, and thankfully no one actually ran up and slapped me because I was scared at that point in the message, which it wouldn't have been a good time for that to happen, but I was real concerned that one of my wise guys from camp would run up there and smack me, but anyway. Remember, these, these religious leaders, though, they were also jealous. They wanted to keep their position, their role, that power, that influence, and their fear and their jealousy was acted out in ways that showed their ungodly hearts. 
See, the way they were acting showed their ungodly hearts, which reminds me that the truth of the gospel exposes us for who we really are. Matthew seven seventeen through 20 says this, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And the world will oppose those who do good. Even mercy-minded ministries get attacked. There are ministries out there right now I'm going to use pregnancy resources as the example. There are pregnancy resource centers out there who are trying to help women. They're trying to help women, but because they do not agree with the pro-choice movement, because they are showing women that there are alternatives to murdering your baby, they're being attacked and vandalized because the world hates their message and their motivation to minister. Those who are hostile to the faith will even act against those doing good things, doing good work. The world is so deceived that it may not even understand what it's doing. It may not understand the hypocrisy that it's exhibiting. And that's why, that's why church, we must continually speak the name of Jesus to them out of love. Because the world is deceived, and they need Jesus too. When we minister the gospel, we're energized for the gospel. When we minister the gospel, we're energized for the gospel. I, I told the students, you know, I was, it was yesterday and I was ready to go home, but if you told me we had three more nights after what we experienced Friday night, let's go, you know? We, when we minister the gospel, we're energized for the gospel, and they administered the gospel, and they suffered, and they rejoiced. They didn't stop. They're, they're rejoicing in being counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. And their, their gospel, the gospel going forth caused them, because of their fearless and dogged devotion to their King Jesus, to continue to share the gospel. I was in a discussion with someone recently uh, who was talking to me about... Um, they were talking to me about all of these kind of hot-button cultural issues going on right now, and why doesn't the church just accept those things? And I said, here's, here's, here's the reason that I can't, personally, is because I was bought at a price. I serve a king. His name is Jesus. And because I belong to him, because I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I don't have a right to go against him. I don't have a right to go against him. I surrendered my whole life to Jesus. And therefore, I will live my life as close to the way that he says his followers, his kingdom subjects, his co-heirs will live as possible. I always try to leave the students with a key point, so I'm going to leave you with one key point tonight or today. Sorry, I'm used to preaching at night now. Uh, this is the key point. Jesus empowers us to live fearlessly in the face of the distaste of the world. Jesus empowers us to live fearlessly in the face of the distaste of the world. And we can do it with gentleness and respect. You know, we don't have to get all 
argumentative and hateful. We don't have to be what they are back to them. And when we live fearlessly in the face of the distaste of the world, empowered by Jesus, the result in our lives is joy. It's joy. You will never regret suffering that is done in the name of Jesus. You'll never regret suffering in the name of Jesus. This culture that we live in wants you to capitulate to their whims. They want you to be just as wishy-washy about gender and sexuality and pagan worldviews as they are. But if you stand for Christ, you will face the distaste, the anger, and maybe even the violence of the world. You'll be called a bigot even when you act out of a heart of love. And the only way to overcome is by the blood of Jesus Christ. As we move towards our final song, I'm going to ask our musicians to go ahead and come up on stage and get ready to play. I want to read one final passage of Scripture. This is from Revelation chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. And it says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. In this passage, the overcomers of the rage of the evil one did so, do so, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. Church, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself when the accusations come that Jesus already took your place on the cross. Remind yourself of that. Rehearse the gospel in your life every day. I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked the students on Thursday night. I want to ask you to imagine your life having a spiritual checkbook. I realize most of those students will probably never write a check in their life. They probably don't know how and they will probably never learn. But imagine you have a spiritual checkbook of your life. And you could write out a check for some amount of your life, your time, your talent, your treasure. Are you willing to not fill in the amount, but just sign your name? And pass it over to God and say, you fill in the amount of my life. Like, whatever it is, whatever it is, my time, my talent, treasure, my job, my school, my family, whatever it is, all of me. Are you willing to say, God, whatever it takes, I'm available. Use me. At this time, we're going we're gonna to sing a final song. And this is your time to do business with God. And just... Just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we'll sing our final song. But this is the time for you to do business with God. So if the Lord has spoken to you this morning through his word, uh, if you realized, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit has said, hey, you've got sin in this area, or you need to be more bold, or you need to be more fearless in this area, you need to rely on this message, or maybe you're out there this morning and you say, I've never really believed the gospel. My life has never changed. I would love to talk with you about that. And we can set up a time to get together and talk about that.
But whatever business you need to do with God, you may just need to pray to God and say, God, I have this sin and I confess to you, I agree with you that it's sin and I repent of it and I turn away. And just, just like those kids, those teenagers did, some of them sounded so, they were just so, that they, they just caught it. They caught the message. If you've caught the message this morning, the question is, will you repent, turn away from your sin and turn towards God and believe the message of the gospel? That's the question for you this morning. Would you stand and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to this time of, uh, of just responding through worship, of responding with our hearts uh, to what you have said this morning to us, God, I pray that you would um, just do your work. I just trust you. I, I, I just trust you. I saw you do it this week already, and I just trust you to work in our hearts to change lives because that is what the message of the gospel does. Help us to take you at your word. Help us to be bold and rejoice even when we face hardship and suffering for the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you sing with us?